1: So good to see all of you. I'm grateful for each and every one of you. As I have already mentioned, we're continuing in our summer series that we've entitled Stand. We're studying through the book of Daniel. So at this time, I would just like to invite all of you to get out your Bibles or your Bible app and turn to daniel chapter 3 and um let me just say this just just this real briefly Um, my desire is that your is that your primary access to scripture would not be an app apps are useful but i do desire for all of you it's my prayer that you would all have an actual copy of scripture and if you don't have scripture you can contact me or the church and maybe you got questions about what's the best or the most you know bible to get you got questions you can ask us and we'll We'll, uh, we'll help you out, man. Um, and I want to say one other thing. I'm also um, keenly aware that there are individuals of listening to this or watching this who may be in a closed country, some of our dear friends, and you're unable to access Scripture. If that is you, I just want to let you know if you can contact me on social media, direct message, or try and talk to our church. We'll do everything we can to get Scripture to you as well. But we do want to be a people who hold Scripture highly, and we can read it and study it and write in it. And... Um, that's not even point number one. So let's, let's get into it, man. Let's, let's get into it. Um, so we're in Daniel chapter 3. That's where we're going to be at today. And before we get into the text today, I want to go over something. I want to call something to your attention because I don't want us to miss this. In the Bible, the Lord God uses multiple techniques or multiple methods in order to teach us truths about himself. One of the most common methods the Lord uses to teach us about himself is, well, you, you know this already, but there's a little technique called repetition. The Lord uses repetition to teach us, M- much like we might, um, I don't know, teach a toddler or our student. I mean, you want someone to know something, you just got to kind of beat it in their head. At my age right now, I'm not old, but I'm not young, I continue to learn by repetition. And in Daniel... For three chapters, we're in the third chapter, um, the Lord has been employing this technique, this technique called repetition, and I don't want us to miss it because it'd be very easy to do. You see, in all three chapters, and we're getting to chapter three today, they, they begin kind of with a, an event, a, an event, and so there's three different events but that but they all have repetition in them. God's teaching us something in them. Let me just go over that just real briefly. And, and all three of these chapters, they begin with the people of God facing a crisis. There's a crisis. All three of these chapters begin with a crisis. And after the crisis, the people of God um, pray, and they obey the commands of God, and then God delivers them. That's the final thing we see, and they're honored. The people of God are honored. So you see a crisis. You see that God, God's people pray. You see God respond to their prayer, and then you see that they are honored by the worldly w- ruler. So, so it's occurring three times, Daniel 1, Daniel 2, Daniel 3. There's this repetition, all right? So the question I have is this, and I think we all should, what is God trying to teach us in these repetitions? He's beating it in our heads. There's something he wants us to get. And I believe, just real briefly before we get to this text, because we're going to study this, I believe there's really kind of three different things the Lord's trying to teach us with this repetition. First thing, I think we're to see that... Satan's onslaughts are not occasional, right? Like like Satan don't go after you once and then twice and then he kind of leaves you alone. No, we see that it's ongoing until the Lord takes us home. Second, using this repetition, I think we see that God honors his people when his people are faithful to him. And finally, I think we see, and this is important, that God uses tribulations in the lives of his people to produce even more significant fruit in the lives of his people. He does. I say it like this. I'm going to say it several times because I believe in this one. It's, it's deep. But the hotter the fire, the sweeter the fellowship. You know what I'm saying? Believers, you know that's true, right? Like you, you, got, you guys, I kind of feel like we're kind of in some hot stuff now, right? It's been going, man. It's been rough, 2020. But I'll tell you this. And I think some of you would say that fellowship with Jesus, it may have been very, hopefully been very, very sweet. All right. All right. So just, just keep that pattern in mind because we're going through it a third time and I'm going to come back to it at the, 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 the very end. All right. Keep it in, in, in your mind. Okay. So chapter three, it begins with the same thing, a crisis. Okay. What's the crisis in chapter three? The crisis, the setup to the crisis in chapter three, this is the crisis every believer has faced, but here's the crisis. All right. Will we bow down to the world and the ways of the world, or will we stand and worship the living, true God? And that's the broad statement, all right? All right? But, but every one of you know what I'm talking about. If you're a believer, you've been there. You're going to bow down, kiss the ring of the world, or will you stand? Now, 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 that's what Daniel's three friends face today. This is a dilemma in, in our text today. This is a dilemma, I think, that we've all faced. Maybe you're facing it even right now. So let's study how they went through this, and hopefully it'll be helpful to us. All right. We begin chapter 3. First thing we're going to see, you can follow along in your outline. It's in the app or online, or you can just simply, man, when I was, gr- when I was growing up, hey, when I was growing up, we had this thing called paper and a thing called a pen, and we would take notes. So you are welcome to take it back then if you want to, old school. It doesn't matter. It works. Here we go. First thing I want you to see is the ceremony observed. Let's see this. I'm going to read. um, I'm going word by word, verse by verse. Let's do this. Verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth 6 cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dora in the province of Babylon. Verse two, the king then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the, the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, and the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the mag- magistrates, and all the officials of the province to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Pause. Stop. Opening scene. We got to see this. You, you got this king. King Nebuchadnezzar, he's making this, this this massive statue really to himself. He wants to identify himself as a God. And then he's going to demand all the people of the country, the high-ranking officials, come on down and worship this statue that I have made. So so this guy, right off the he got an ego. This guy has an ego. Alright. Now, you might sit there and I might sit there and I'm seeing this and you're looking at this, and you might think, that, do, that dude's crazy. He's just crazy. Nobody, who would do that? Who would, who, who going to be erecting a statue of themselves and then inviting people to come worship that statue? Before we get on our high horses, I think it's helpful to point out, I know exactly what type of person would do that. Me. Me, I'd do that. Apart from the grace of God, I would do that, and really all of us would would do that. Nebuchadnezzar is simply doing what all people tend to do who don't know God. They They worship themselves. Before God saved me, I'd be worshiping myself, and then we invite others to worship us as well. I think there's many examples, but I think social media is a primary example today. I'm not saying that social media is bad necessarily than that. But what we do, we erect this statue of ourselves, and it's not our real picture, it's our fake picture, right? And we worship it, and then I invite people, come worship me. And so, in part, we do that, we see that. This is this guy. Apart from God, I got nothing. Apart from Jesus. Verse 3, that's the setup. Then the satraps and the prefects and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the province, Gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Well, Paul's there, so that's the picture you got. You got all the peoples from all the places. They coming together. They on the plain of Dora, this big plain, right? And they're all standing there, and they got that big statue up there. They're all gathered. I'm guessing King Nebuchadnezzar, he's sitting maybe on his throne. He's watching all of this. Now, here's the deal we've got to remember it's implied. These group of people that have been called to worship this statue, to come together at this statue, would include Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, real quick, Daniel's not mentioned here. We do not know why. He might have been out of the country doing something, but he's not here. But anyway, you got these three young men. They're in a difficult situation, right? And they got a very difficult decision to make because they love the living God and they know the law of the living God. And they know the living God, like you and I know the living God has said, hey, you don't, you, my people. My people, my people don't bow down to anything. No false gods, no idols. You bow down to me, and that's all you bow down to. And so these guys are getting there, and they haven't been asked to bow down yet. But in the back of the head, they got to be thinking, i got a difficult decision that I need to make. Once again, Christian, I don't think... This is unfamiliar territory to you. I've been there as well, right? Am I going to bow down to the world, or am I going to remember the statutes of my God and only bow down to him? Now, real quick, here's the deal. Listen, by the way, I'm using myself as an example, and if I've done this, I imagine many others have done this as well. But here's what, we, here's what I can tend to do if I'm not careful, right? I get into a situation where I'm going to have to, or it's going to be expected of me to compromise what I know God does not want me to do, right? It's it's uncomfortable, right? It's uncomfortable to be in that situation. And the tendency sometimes is to do this. I will compromise on this small point because after all, God is full of grace. Praise his name, he is. And so it's easier for me to impose upon the grace of God than to impose upon the, 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 the world, because the world, they're going to be making fun of me. They're going to be ridiculing me. They're going to be, you know, doing all this stuff. And so the tendency, I think for all Christians, it is for me, is to impose upon the grace of God before I impose upon the demands of the world. But that's where these guys are at. that's where they got. They're going to have a difficult decision to make. All right. That's the ceremony. They're they just there. All right. You move to verse 4, and that's going to move into what I call, well, I just have the command giving. That's the next thing we're going to see, the command giving. So, like, like so far, these three dudes, they ain't been asked to sin. They haven't. They have not been asked to sin. They've just been asked to assemble. The the king has requested them. All they have done is obeyed and respected the authority above them. It all changes. Verse 4, check this out. And the herald proclaim aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages. That's everybody. All All you people. This is for you. Verse 5. That when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the heart, the bagpipe. Oh, man. Man, King, he got a bagpipe, man. Who, who? The reality is the Hebrew word there, we don't know what it is, but they translate it to bagpipe. Cool, he got a rock rock band with a bagpipe. That's the king, all right. And every kind of music, when you hear that, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Now these guys got a problem, right? These These guys have a problem. This is when they're being asked, To sin, right? Like the nations are all gathered together. You got the leading celebrities, you got the political leaders. King Nebuchadnezzar, he called out the royal orchestra with this righteous bagpipe. I don't know. And he says, Here's the deal. When you hear the band strike up, I want all you people hit the ground, worship the image. Well, I don't know, man. What if I don't do that? What are you gonna do? He answers verse six. Check it out. And whoever does not fall down, kiss the dirt and worship, shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Quick question. Is there any other kind of fiery furnace than a burning one? It just seems kind of repetitious. The point is it's hot, all right? So anyone who refuses to bow down, it's treason, treason. The king's got something. If you don't worship and do what the great Nebuchadnezzar says, that burning, fiery furnace, it's all for you. Verse 7. Therefore, <laughs> this is not rocket science, I guess, for the world. Therefore, as soon as all the people heard the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples of the nations and language fell down and worshiped the golden image the king Nebuchadnezzar has set up. So the king, he up on his throne, I don't know, he gives the signal... I don't know what kind of signal he gave. The band striped, strikes up, and all the sheeple fall down and kiss the dirt. And I say, welcome to our world. Welcome to the goat rodeo, right? That's the air we breathe, people. That's the air we breathe. This culture man will bow down and kiss the ring of this worldly culture will does the universal truth is this as it is most people most people respond to external circumstances and external pressure they do you want to bend somebody you want to bend someone, you get external circumstances, external pressure, and you're going to bend most people. Most people conform to whatever is required of them rather than their internal principles. God's people are not to be bent in that manner. They're not. All right? So we move on from there. We're going to see you got the ceremony, you got the command. That's the problem. King saying, "You you dudes need to sin." You get to verse eight. We move to what I call the conspiracy deployed. It didn't point out three people did not bow down when that happened. Check it out. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. Oh, not, actually, not all the Jews; just really three of them. Right? Check out that word "maliciously." That means. That means the Chaldeans had malintent towards God's obedient people. They wanted them to suffer. Why? Why? Chaldeans, why you be wanting the, those three young men to suffer? The only thing they have done is be faithful to the living God. Why you got malice towards them? Well, because as they obeyed the living God... God promoted them, and they're prospering. And the Chaldeans see that, and they don't like it. So they got some mal intent towards that. Right now, now here's the deal. Here's the deal. You would think. I'm, I'm just thinking. Allah. Uh, you would think, right? This is what I think. I see someone prospering from being obedient to the living God. You would think that they might say, "Hey, why don't I do what they're doing? Why don't I start obeying the living God? And maybe I get some prosper." Too. I don't know. They don't do that. They say, "No, nah, I got, I got a better idea. Let me just, let me just, let me just, let me just hit them at the knees, man. Let me did a little malice their way. Let me cut them down." And That's what goes on. Once again, I'll say this, man. You probably already know this, but I'm gonna tell you right now. If you are faithful to the living God, you will find. But some areas of your life, people might get a little malicious. In other words, things in every area may not go as smoothly as you anticipated, right? I'll tell you right. Man, I feel like I'm just saying stuff we all know, but it's good to be reminded. It's good to be reminded. Listen, listen. It's easiest to go with the flow of the world, right? That's the path of least resistance. and you start getting all obedient to the living God, that's a little bit more difficult and you may have some problems. No man, look, no man, look at verse 11. Here's, the, here's what they say. They, the Chaldeans, declare to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Basically, O king, O oh king, O oh king, you're the best king ever. You're the king of king. We love you. That's what he's saying. All right? Hey, leading with flattery generally works, in the world at least. You get verse 10 and 11, they repeat, hey, you said this king reminded you, and if people don't do this, you're going to do this, they remind them. Get to verse 12, there are certain Jews, not all the Jews, certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, now they're going to name them, they're going to call them out, (laughs) Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, pay no attention to you, they do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have made. Oh, boy, look, three charges. Hey, king, 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 hey, 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 oh, cool, king, let me tell you something. These dudes, three things they doing. First thing, they're not paying no attention to you. That's not true, that's not true. These men had rendered to Caesar all that belonged to Caesar. Like, these, these guys are good citizens they working hard. They're honoring the king, right, until he asks them to sin. So that's not true. Charges 2 and 3, yeah, they're they true. They true they do not serve his gods, and they don't worship the golden image, all right? Now, the amazing thing is these three young men, they knew the price of disobedience. They knew if they didn't bow down, they'd go into the burning, fiery furnace, right? Man, sometimes... Okay, man i i have seen i have seen okay i have seen even i've done this i've seen christians um, today tap out because um, somebody makes fun of them like like i remember i like i remember one time i hang out with some christian guys and we're in we're in we're in, we're in bible study i don't know they're like man i take a bullet for jesus All right? they walk out the door somebody makes fun of them they go home crying like dude you won't even take someone making fun of you. How are you going to be taking a bullet, right? Now look, like how? What does this come from? These guys, they're there, they're the fiery furnace. They have seen it. They know it. Hey, look, you 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 don't do what I say, man. We're well, going to burn the burning fire furnace. And these guys say, uh, where, where do you where does how do you get that strength? Well, they were functioning on internal principle, not external pressure, right? They got they got they got a relationship with the living God, and like hey. Anyway, Nebuchadnezzar, man, he can't handle it. It's goofy. Nothing makes sense. It doesn't, dudes. Listen, listen. Like, you got them, I don't know, you got a couple hundred thousand people bowing down, kissing the dirt. Three people. Only three people keep standing. What's the big deal? But it makes him mad. He wants every. He wants, he wants everyone to conform once again ere we breathe, right? So he's gonna move to what I say a little coercion. Oh I <laughs> want he's like, I want I wanna help you bow down. All right, look at this. 13 through 15, we see the co- coercion applied. Alright? Here's the deal: you don't bow down to the world, it's gonna push you, it's gonna get you to comply. It'll try. Look at verse 13 then Nebuchadnezzar in a furious rage commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought so they brought these men before the king verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them is it true? O Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, do you not serve my guys or worship the golden image that I have set up? King, hey, the king's like hey, maybe, maybe there's been something lost in translation maybe there's something you don't understand maybe there's been a little miscommunication so let me Clarify. Let me give you a second chance. Get to verse 15. Look what this dude does. Here's what he says. I guess he's on his throne. I don't know. Now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I've made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And then he says one of the most stupid, godliest, godless statements ever made. Look at the rest of verse 15. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Whew. Dude getting carried away. You know what I'm saying? Who going to deliver? Man, did, did, did he already forget? Remember chapter 2? You know what I'm saying? Chapter 2. God be telling him what he's dreaming, all this stuff. He done not be forgetting. He do not be forgetting. Oh, that happens to me sometimes, too. Yeah, I forget sometimes. I need reminding. You know, I remember God doing some amazing things in my life, delivering me, carrying me, sustaining me. Then I get into a little, I don't know, stressful situation, and I, I'm just confessing time here, church. I get in there, and I, got, I get a little nervous. Did I forget? Did I forget the eternal God and how good he is? Let it not be me, but this dude, he forgets, all right? All right, so now you got the, the coercion applied. What's going to happen? How are they going to respond? How would you respond? Look at verse 16. That's going to lead to the courage scene. Go on, see the courage. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, <laughs> I love this, we have no need to answer you in this matter. You don't? What? You don't have no, they got nothing to say. They're not being arrogant. They're just saying the accusations that you made against us, they true. They true. We're not worshiping you. We're not worshiping your gods. And then they make one of the greatest affirmations of faith made in Scripture. Check out verse 17. This will fire you up, man. Here's what they say. If this be so, talking about the fiery furnace, Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. They're saying, check it out, church. Hey, our God has the ability to deliver us. Like, there ain't nothing that can stop the hand of God. Check out verse 18. But if not, like if our God does not deliver us from the fiery furnace, be it known to you, O king, we're not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. In other words, even if God, in his unknow, unknowable wisdom, he does not deliver us from the fiery furnace, King, what you need to know is it's not because he'd be lacking power, right? So no matter how God responds in this situation, no matter what he does, You don't doubt that he is sovereign. You don't doubt he is supreme. And let me tell you something right now, even though he may not respond in a manner that I would like him to respond, because I'm telling you right now, I don't want to be burned up. But I want you to know, even if he does not respond how I think, I would like him to respond, I'm still not going to be bowing down to no false gods. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Now, once again... This is where we can falter. This is where we can also get kind of confused because I know, I know, I know in your life and in my life, you have beseeched the living God to move in a certain way, to do a certain thing, and the living God did not do what you wanted him to do in a way that you thought best to do. But don't be confused. It was not because he could not. It was not because he lacked some ability. It's because he got a different view than you got. He does. So I want to encourage you. God doesn't move how you think, man. It doesn't make him any less God. God is never lacking at all. And so now you get to verse 19, and you're going to see the consequences experienced. Here we go. About to get hot up in here. Verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the fiery, he ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. That's hot, verse twenty. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Guys, I wasn't going to mention this, but I want you to... Verse 21 really caught me off guard, and I want to show it to you. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. I read that, and I do not believe there's an accidental word in the living word of God. There's not one accidental word. So my question was this. Why in the world are we told how these dudes dressed? Right? Like, why are we told how they're dressed? And not only that, if you study it, they're dressed very nicely. Why are we told that these guys are dressed very nicely prior to being thrown in the fiery furnace? Well, I think I've thought on it. I think we're told this basically to understand that they came to the ceremony with every intention of honoring the king. Like, this is not a picture of Christians with the chip on their shoulder. This is not a picture of hypersensitive Christians. These are godly men submitting to godless leadership. They are. They get dressed up. They're going to render to Caesar, as I've already said, what is due. Caesar, that's okay. I don't like it. I don't like I gotta go to this ceremony. But I'm under authority. I'm going to do what's required of me up until sinning. So they dressed up. They're not hypersensitive. They dressed up, they're going to obey, they get there, and the problem is they say you gotta bow down. They're like, whoa, stop. My, My my train stops here. This is this is my stoppy stop. I'm gonna get off. And they still got the nice clothes on. That's why I think we're told, all right, they're not looking for a fight. They're not. Verse 22, because the king's orders were urgent and the fire furnace overheated, the flames of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Sure, there's a message in that one verse. We're going to keep moving. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. And so they go in. But we get to what I think is the climax here. They're not alone. Church, they're not alone, and neither are you. Look at this, verse 7. The companion needed. Verses 24 through 28. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. Rose up in haste. See, that's why I think this dude's been sitting on his throne. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and they have the appearance, and the appearance of the fourth is like the sun of the gods. I imagine the scene. I don't know. King, King's sitting there in his throne. He's watching. I guess it's like ESPN to that dude. He's like throwing them in. He got like, I don't know, he's viewing. He's viewing. He's like, oh, this is going to be cool. We're going to see some dudes burned up. But he looks in there, and he sees some astounding things. First, you throw three men in. He's looking down. There's four. second, they're not bound up. They're loose. Finally, these dudes walking around. They're completely unhurt. And what's curious, they're not even looking for the exit. They're not, they're patiently waiting. They're enjoying. They, oh, please, I got to get this truth in my head. and And I hope I communicate this well. They are enjoying one another's company in the midst of the fire. Right? You can enjoy company in the midst of the fire, you can have fellowship in the midst of the fire. And then you got this fourth person. says he's like the son of the gods. Once again, we could talk a lot about this. There's debate among good men and women who this is. Some believe it's Jesus Christ himself pre-incarnate. Others say it's an angel. It very well could be Christ Jesus before he came. Um, it could be an angel. The reality is we don't know. We don't know, and I'm not going to sit here and debate about who it could be. We do know there are incarnations of Christ Jesus in the Old Testament. Whether this is him or not, I don't know. And the point listen. Dude, people, people argue about a lot of things And they don't get to the point Let's get to the point The point is God took care of his people That's the point, right? That's the point He was preserving them in the midst In the midst They're being preserved in the midst of the fire He's hanging out with them Sweet fellowship Once again, I've already said this But you notice sometimes In the fire The fellowship with Jesus Oh, sweet. Sweet, come on. So, talking about. Hebrews 13, 5, God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And I think that is exactly what he meant. And I'll say it again. The heart of the fire, what? The sweeter the fellowship. Verse 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door, the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and ben servants of the Most High God, come out! And come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out, came out of the fire, and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power, not even a little bit of power of the bodies of these men. The hair of their head was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Pause real quick. I went camping last night, and um, I was by a fire and I'm telling you, dude, that's, that, that smells with you. I took, I took a shower before I came here. I come out still smelling like smoke. It's just some smoke sticks to you, not these guys. Verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own God. Everyone, they were completely Unharmed. A lot going on there, but I want to move to the very end, and I want us to see the condemnation, the commendation given. Verse 29 and 30. Therefore, I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb for limb. Dude, that king, he loves tearing people from limb to limb. That's his, that's, that's his go-to, man. And their houses laid in ruins. For there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way than the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Once again, we see that repetition, right? And I imagine the Chaldeans are even more mad now than they were before. That ends chapter 3, but I want to go back briefly to where we began. Remember we talked about this repetition. We saw her the third time this repetition God's people in crisis, God's people pray and follow the commands of the Lord, and then God's people are saved by God, and the people honor God's people. Once again, chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, repetition. Of course, there's a lot to learn in that passage in and of itself, but just as we close out, I want us to remember the repetition. One, church. Satan's onslaughts are continual. Man, I wish it was not so. You know, man, I just wish it wasn't so. But it is. Two, God honors his people when his people are faithful to him. Finally, we see that God uses trials and tribulations to produce even more significant fruit in the lives of his people. He does. And remember, the hotter the fire, what? The sweeter the fellowship.
0: Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.